Hi, I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, January 27th of 2023. You know, it's been a month of great records being set, like the attendance numbers at the National Western Stock Show or Eagle Vale's Michaela Schifrin becoming the best woman ever in alpine skiing with her 83rd World Cup victory this week. But consumers are dealing with record-setting egg prices and electricity bills that are through the roof. Traffic fatalities in Colorado have not been at this level since the early 80s. And this week, the state of education in Colorado was referred to as being in a state of crisis. We have a near record number of new lawmakers in the state legislature. Maybe having more fresh ideas will help things turn around. For tonight's panel, we have Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, and David Copel, research director at the Independence Institute. Elaine Alvarez, reporter at Axios Denver, and also Adam Berg, Vice President of Government Affairs, Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce. Thanks to you all for coming in tonight. Uh, last weekend, I ran into an old friend, and after catching up with the, about what our kids were up to, he said, have you seen your XL bill lately? And Patty, then I had to go to the store and buy eggs to make brownies for my daughter's swim team. And then I got hit with the $7 price tag. The prices of everything is what everyone is talking about. Well, eggs and Excel are good ones to compare because those aren't just 10% increases. Those are huge increases with the price of eggs doubling, tripling, depending on where you get them and if you can get them. Excel bills, ditto. I mean, we had the horrible, horrible cold in December when you were supposed to leave your fa uh, water faucets dripping. Well, I just opened my Denver water bill, which is also double from all the dripping back in December. But Excel, although they say we'll, lose, we'll get 17 bucks back in February because natural ga gas prices have gone down slightly, that is nothing compared to what many people report as doubling. In front of the Public Utilities Commission on Wednesday, commissioners listened to complaints, and they said there are double the consumer complaints they've received before. You know, gas is up 25, elect electricity is up 25, gas is up 75%. It's huge. And they say it's not really Excel's fault, Excel's agnostic. You know, Excel is agnostic the way the Catholic Church is agnostic when it collects your money. This Excel is definitely making bank while we are breaking ours to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. David, I haven't seen you since mm. the start of the year. Happy New Year. I'm very curious on your thoughts okay. of all this. Well, definitely on, on a particular item, prices are going to go up and down because of changes in supply. So, for example, because of an avian flu that killed 49 million chickens, the number of, of laying hens in December of 2022 was down 30% compared to December of 2021. So of course egg prices are going to go up for that reason. But more broadly, in the, in the economy as a whole, as Nobel, Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman said, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. You increase the money supply uh, faster than the greater growth of population and the economy, you're necessarily going to have inflation. We have in the 31 trillion dollars of federal debt that was almost had almost been entirely been paid off by the end of the Clinton administration but then in the 21st century with the irresponsible deficit spendings of of Bush the younger Obama Trump and now Biden we've got 31 trillion dollars in debt because the extremely high levels of federal spending two-thirds of which is on so-called entitlements which pay most people way more than they ever put into the system is is out of control 
and you could either finance that with taxes directly, but instead it's being financed indirectly with deficit spending and inflation. You know, as for Excel, a lot of the, that increase is due to the increases in the global price of natural gas. But on top of that, they are profiteering from mainly from subsidizing construction for wind power, which has always been the corporate welfare queen of our energy system. It never stands on its own two feet. It's only viable because of welfare, and you're paying that welfare through increased uh, prices to Excel. Okay, thank you. Uh, Elena, the legislature in Colorado is focused on affordability as well, specifically affordable housing, with Senate Bill 1 coming out of its first committee hearing this week. Correct, yes. At a time when people are literally smuggling eggs across the border, Colorado's cost of living is through the roof. Policymakers here are certainly feeling the pressure to act and save people money. So there are actually two bills uh, focused on affordability. One is Senate Bill 1, which just passed out of committee this week. Um, it's really focused on building workforce housing through public-private partnership. Uh, the second is house, uh, a house bill that will allow local governments to enact rent control measures. So what to know about these two bills? They're backed by top House and Senate Democrats. They have some support from a few business organizations who are basically saying these policies matter because people are leaving Colorado to places like Texas because they can't find a place to live that's affordable close to an office. Um, something that we're watching right now is whether the rent stabilization bill, which faces opposition from uh, uh, landlords and apartment associations actually has enough support to make it through the Senate. So that's going to be a conversation we'll be watching really closely this session. Okay. All right. Good. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, Anna, let's talk about the legislature's effect on what we pay on things that the cage-free egg uh, mandate in Colorado was passed by the legislature last year. I think it took a lot of people by surprise come January the 1st, right? And then the avian flu, as David was mentioning, broke out. And then we have the Excel costs. I don't know if people realize that a lot of these costs were things that were brought up and attended to in the legislature last year and other years. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, we always say economics also applies at altitude. Um, and I think we're feeling that particularly in the Denver metro area and beyond. Um, but it's a great reminder that uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Everything has a cost. So when we look at legislators really aggressively trying to tackle environmental policy and setting uh, new standards and new thresholds for energy companies to meet or water preservation, when we look at a, a policy uh, that leads to cage-free eggs being required in Colorado and you layer that with avian flu spreading across uh, the country and beyond, that leads to increase in prices and consumers really feel that and they feel that in their pocketbooks and we hear that from our members as well. Um, and I don't think the legislature is quite done with these kinds of issues. When you look at things like health care and you look at things like energy, I think we'll continue to see a very aggressive approach. And those costs have to go somewhere, and unfortunately, that is typically consumers. Um, and so we continue to see this trickle-down effect to the consumers who end up paying some of the repercussions of these uh, very aggressive policies at the Capitol. Okay. Crime is also an issue for all corners of our state and throughout our country. In Colorado, there are a lot of bills in the works of the legislature to prevent further gun violence, including on assault weapons ban, um, which, David, has already been altered a little bit from when we first started hearing about it um, a month ago or so. Well, the alterations aren't going to save the, the constitutionality um, because the U.S. Supreme Court said that you can't ban arms that are in common use typically used by law-abiding citizens for lawful purposes. These guns have been around, semi-automatic firearms were invented in 1885, so they've been common in the United States for, for well over a century. 
and the phrase assault weapon has no real content. It's just a marketing term used by the gun ban lobbies since the 1980s for a very heterogeneous collection of as many guns as they can ban. Um, uh, but in Illinois, a similar law was passed in late December, and it's already uh, under a restraining order from a federal district court. You know, if you look at the bill, it doesn't make any sense. For example, they ban handguns that weigh over 50 ounces. Well, how does that make a handgun more dangerous? I understand if you were pistol whipping somebody and using the, the handgun as a club, 50 ounces is more than 45 ounces, but that, that's got nothing to do with mass shootings. And likewise, they ban guns that have full adjustable stocks, so which means the gun can fit the user better. If someone who's five feet tall needs a shorter stock than someone who's six foot tall, and with an adjustable stock, you can get exactly the right fit, which makes the gun be held more securely and stable and be more accurate. So a lot of this bill, supposedly for public safety, is about trying to eliminate things that make guns more accurate. Okay, so, but there's already something, Elaine, at the national level now, following what happened last weekend in California. The assault weapons ban is a conversation nationwide and in Colorado. Um, we haven't heard about the governor. Governor Polis doesn't talk about this. He talks about other, you know, gun prevention measures. Um, where do we stand? What is expected in Colorado? Will it not pass now that they've made some alterations saying it won't be legal if you already own them? That's a great question. I mean, this bill, we still haven't seen the exact right. language. It hasn't been fully, it hasn't been introduced yet by Colorado Democrats. Um, what we know about Governor Polis is that he's staying quiet for a reason. He doesn't fully support this. He has made clear in the past that uh, assault weapons are already heavily regulated from his perspective. We also have to remember this past November, the same month that the Club Q shooting happened in Colorado Springs, Polis uh, refused to endorse President Biden's call for a ban. That's really important. Um, what Polis is interested in is expanding on Colorado's red flag law and a potential ban on ghost guns, which are becoming an increasing problem in Colorado. Um, the big picture here is that this bill uh, whenever it is introduced, undoubtedly faces an uphill battle at the state legislature. Colorado's grim history of mass shooting, mass shootings has led lawmakers to push similar bills in the past, and it has always resulted in a political gauntlet that has uh, led to protests and even recall elections. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, despite the democratic trifecta that we have mm -hmm. right now, I'm not sure that this year will be any different, especially without full-throated support from Polis. Mm -hmm. Crime is a big thing here. As we've seen a rise in crime and Colorado becoming number one in the country for car thefts, Denver has also seen a loss of around 6,500 businesses. Um, more than 1,000 businesses have left downtown from the start of, from, of 2019 till October. Now, I know that involves the COVID when people weren't going downtown to work, and then now people are working from home. But, Adam, COVID, this, aside from that, You've talked with some businesses who are like, we don't know if we want to work in downtown because of the crime. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. You know, it's interesting. I think outside of, of housing uh, and the affordability of housing, crime is the number one we thing we hear from metro area businesses about their concerns um, for both staying here and doing business here, but also bringing employees back to work. 
And that's really created sort of a, a chicken and the egg problem to bring it back to our chicken conversation, <laughs> um, where you know uh, employees don't feel comfortable coming back downtown because there's not people on the street during the daylight hours and beyond. We tend to see more public consumption of illegal substances, more crime, those sorts of things. Um, and again, it's created a very tough balance for businesses. Uh, bring it back to the governor, who in his state of state said, you know, we are uh, in the middle of the pack when it comes to crime. I think we, we saw pretty quickly uh, some data from the FBI suggesting that's not the case. Uh, we're actually pretty, pretty high up on the end of increases in crime. So we've seen the legislature start to tackle this problem. Fentanyl last year, which passed through towards the end of session, and again, tackling auto theft this year. But we have a lot of work to do. Uh, to make Denver and downtown Denver a safe place to, to work and live. Yeah, and Patty, a report this week from the Colorado Education Association shows the majority of our state's teachers do not feel safe in their schools. That was a fascinating twist in this because you're hearing about funding. They're concerned about school funding. They're certainly concerned about their own salaries. Are teachers really appreciated? But the third factor that was really highlighted in this report is that they're scared of guns in the schools, they don't feel safe, and that's really extraordinary that systems have not been put in place at so many schools where teachers can feel safe to teach. They've survived COVID, they've survived all the remote teaching, but now they come back and it's a national issue, obviously. It's not just Colorado. You've got a six-year-old shooting a teacher in Virginia. Virginia. But that it is name-checked in this report as being a concern of teachers is something we really need to work on across the state. Yeah, that was really alarming when I was reading that. Uh, let's keep on the safety angle a little bit more. Elena, you wrote an article this week about the staggering amount of traffic deaths in our state. That's right. So the latest state data shows 745 traffic deaths in Colorado in 2022, which is the most since 1981. Authorities tell us um, distracted driving, impaired driving, aggressive driving are all uh, leading to more crashes statewide. They're also noticing an uptick in cannabis-related crashes, which I found interesting. Um, as a result of this troubling trend, the state is launching a new plan that's aimed at road safety. So that includes things like more roundabouts, more uh, rumble strips, more than $10 million in uh, funding for public education campaigns. Something else to note is that traffic deaths among Colorado teenagers are also rising. So you'll notice a bill in the state legislature this session that's moving its way through um, that would require people under 21 to take mandatory driver's ed courses uh, to get their learner's permit or their license. Um, the goal there really is to reduce traffic deaths and make sure that our teens are adequately trained before they hit the highway. I don't know why you wouldn't want your child to go through one of those classes, right? I, I definitely agree. put mine in as soon as they could. Right, yeah. um, Adam, the state is seeing a large increase in the number of people, pedestrians, being hit by cars. And this comes at a time when there are these policy decisions being made at the state capitol that encourage multimodal transportation. So there are more pedestrians, more cyclists, and the Denver City Council at the same time is set to vote this coming Monday on decriminalizing jaywalking. <coughs> are we making our roads safer? Are we not? I don't, I don't know what direction to go. <laughs> sure, yeah, and this is a complex issue. I think the data sort of speaks for itself with these increase in uh, fatalities we've seen. And obviously there's the, you know, people, COVID is still occurring, but feels like it's winding down. People are back on the roads. People are going out more. So naturally that leads to a bit more potential for collision. But as you know, that bicycles and motorcycles and pedestrians make up a large chunk of a lot of these fatalities. 
And sometimes we're looking at policy solutions for things that are actually personal behaviors. But at the same time, as you know, the Denver City Council is considering uh, making decriminalizing jaywalking. Um, and I know there's an issue with the ticketing and who is being ticketed and some potential issues there, but we shouldn't be encouraging these kinds of behaviors when we know that traffic incidences and traffic fatalities are on the rise. So it's a careful balance in terms of the funding going towards multimodal. Uh, we're going to continue to see that push. And whether or not that money is used to actually create better infrastructure in terms of safety or simply just to put pe more people on buses is really what it might come down to. I think Elena was saying maybe education. Sure. You know, yeah. because even some of those streets you drive in the bike lanes and the parking lanes, and you know, I, I think a lot of people just don't know where they're supposed to be. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, Patty, since we're mentioning Denver politics and city council, let's talk about the mayor's race because from the number we had this time last week, it's gone down a little um, in terms of people running for mayor. Right, exactly. So when we were filming this last week, they had to turn in their petitions. And we did have about 26 people ultimately turn in petitions. Only 17 made the final count. So three had dropped out, only 17, only 17. Imagine what a huge ballot that's going to be. And some of those who didn't come up with enough legitimate signatures, and that's only 300 to make the ballot. Some of them are planning to run write-in campaigns. So. That's just mayoral. We've got a huge city council field, too. We, um, and we also will be paying a lot of these people to run under the Fair Elections Fund. So we're going to have a wild April, especially as 17 people are out there jockeying for your vote. I've already gotten a couple of text messages already. Yes, absolutely. Um, David, I also heard um, in Colorado Springs, 20 people are running for <coughs> mayor, too. Um, the politi political season, we just finished one, but this is all getting going again, isn't it? Well, and on, on the uh, ballot in Denver in April is going to be the proposal to develop the Park Hill Golf Course. And I personally hope that gets rejected. You know, the, the question is, do you think Denver has too much open space, too many trees, we need more concrete? Uh, you know, Denver is always going to continue densifying. That's been going on ever since the city was founded in, in 1858. And as cities get denser and denser, these large green islands of nature become all the more important, both for people's physical health and for their mental health. You know, imagine Denver 50 or 100 years from now when the population might be double what it is now. The, keeping that open space of greenery is all the more important for our future uh, than, than even today. So I hope they say no, no to, we don't need condominiums and another strip mall. We can build those any place in the city. Greenery is, is precious and we should keep it. That's what Governor Polls was saying last yeah. week in the state of the state. We have to use all this space in the city, though, to yeah. get people living in the city, can get on the buses, can get walk to the grocery yeah. store. Yep. And you say no. Well, the whole idea well, you, of the you, easement, you, you, too. You can, build a, you can build a shopping mall and apartment buildings any place else in North Park Hill or wherever you want. You just don't have to build it on this one remaining green patch of land we've got in Northeast Denver. So it'll be up to the voters to decide they have the yeah. final say. Would it be the final say? Yeah? Well, well there, there's an easement on it right now. So the easement is part of the city charter right. and it can't be lifted unless the voters say yes. Yeah, all right. Um, okay. We talked about businesses moving out of Denver, but let's talk about the number of people just wanting to move to Colorado. There was a time when our state grew by an average of 70,000 residents a year in some years more. Adam, we are nowhere near that number anymore. 
Yeah, I think it's, it's extremely concerning from a business perspective. So the data is showing we haven't seen such slow growth since 1990. Roy Romer was in the governor's office. You know, we're talking 30 years ago at this point. And what does that mean for us as a business community? We're already concerned. We hear the governor say there's two jobs for every Coloradan, yet we cannot fill those jobs as is. When we have less people coming into the state, less talented people coming to the state, it makes us concerned about filling job vacancies and the talent pipeline we have. Uh, we hear this from every industry, so we continue to, to hope we see those numbers switch in a couple of years when you look at some other models that suggest we might see this trend reversed, hopefully. Yeah, Patty, what do you think? I mean, in 1985, more people left Colorado than came here. Are we kind of in this track, or do you think it's a blip? What are your thoughts? Oh, I don't think there's any comparison. Back in 1985 was that oil bust, and it really affected Colorado. You know, so much of downtown was empty. What we're seeing now is a pattern that's much more national, which is people are not moving as much as they were before. Part of that's COVID. It is true that people, Denver's growth has, Colorado's growth has slowed, but it's still growing. I think most people out there would say, we've got problems we've got to take care of before we keep adding a lot more people because a lot more people have caused those problems. In 2008, we were the place to go for millennials and the creative class, and that is still continuing, but our solution, the thing we have to solve, is affordable housing for people who can come here, start a career, and afford to live here, and that's a big issue. Rent at least is beginning to go down, vacancies mm -hmm. are going up, but we have to continue to push that, or we're not gonna get more people here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about rent. Elena kind of mentioned it, David. Um, D Denver state lawmakers from all over, this Democratic state lawmakers from all over, from Denver to the Plains to the Western Slope are all behind this rent control bill. Let's talk about that. What they can imagine that they can micromanage everything in the world with their genius in the capital, but there's certain laws you can't repeal. The law of gravity is one. The law of supply and demand is another. When you impose price caps on anything, you, in the long run, get less of it. That was the experience in New York City where they imposed rent control during World War II as supposedly an emergency measure and was still around and it helped to destroy har the housing stock in Harlem and the South Bronx. San Francisco, I just read a study from uh, Stanford University uh, about rent control there. And the effect was it benefits the people currently in, the, the current renters, at the expense of everyone else. It led to a 15% decrease in the rental stock, and it led to sharp increases in total rental prices. So rent control is swell if you're in an apartment, but if you're talking about what we just were, about people moving to Colorado, it seriously harms them. Elena, speaking of the cost of living, I read this week um, an estimate of how much you need to have saved to retire, and it was like one and a quarter million dollars to retire in Denver, but that's about the same for the, the statewide rate. I won't be retiring anytime soon, that's for sure. Um, as we've all talked about, affordability is certainly key here to drawing people in. And you know, you're hearing a lot about the real estate market cooling, prices falling. Um, but the reality is that costs are still extremely steep. So new data from the economic research firm Moody's Analytics 
shows that in the fourth quarter of 2022, the average asking rent in Denver was $1,744, which is up 9.3% compared to the year before. Um, this isn't just a Colorado problem either. If you zoom out nationwide, households are having to spend 30% of their income on rent right now, which is a first in over two decades. Um, the good news is that a lot of construction is in the works as evidenced by all the cranes you see around Denver. Um, and so that expected surge in supply will likely bring down prices. The bad news is that that's not gonna happen overnight. Yeah. So we're stuck, you know, paying a bunch of money and not retiring anytime soon. Not retiring. <laughs> we can play on the weekends, yeah, exactly. right? We can play on the weekends. All right, now let's go around for our lightning round. Talk about some of the good, some of the bad that happened this week in Colorado. Patty, let's start with you. What, what just kind of made you uh, this week. I'll talk about things that were sad losses okay. because we've been depressing enough at this table. <laughs> but one of the problems with not having two really robust daily papers, you kind of miss the passing of really important people, mm -hmm. people who were so key to making this a great, if expensive, state. So just this week, we lost Leo Kiley. If you knew him, he ran Coors for a long time. His wife, Susan Kiley, was such an is such an important part of the community. And even though they'd left, his passing is something we should note. Also, Bill Bass, this wild-eyed independent promoter, he took on Barry Fay. He brought the Smiths to CU back in 86. He brought widespread panic to Red Rocks, and they are coming back again for their 68th show, I think, this year, even though Bill Bass passed away. So these are important people who've created the state we love, even though we can't mm -hmm. afford it. David. Colorado Attorney General Weiser made a very filed a very extremist amicus brief uh, this week, arguing that it's okay for the government of New York State to ban houses of worship from having their own staff be armed defenders in there, even though there's been so many attacks on synagogues and, and mosques and other places. And if, if the wiser policy had been in effect in Colorado in December of uh, 2007, uh, when there was an attack at the New Life Church that was stopped by an armed volunteer guard, uh, the pastor there said without that guard, there would have been over 100 people killed. So he's going the absolute wrong way on public safety. I was really disappointed to see that the younger brother of Denver Nuggets star Michael Porter Jr. was arrested on suspicion of a DUI and a fatal crash. You know, having just talked at this roundtable about um, impaired driving being a huge problem in the state. Uh, th this this guy, he played basketball for DU. He's only 21. You know, this just appears to be the latest tragic example. That's just completely needless. So we lost the life of a mid 40 year old woman in it, and it's it's really tragic. Mm -hmm. Sure. I'm going to bring it back to legislature. So as David noted, the introduction of a rent control repeal proposal, uh, if you want to see the prices of rentals go up, uh, put an artificial cap on them, and we can see how that affects the market. So very concerning from a business perspective. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, let's talk about some of the good that's been happening this week or that you're looking into the weekend. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out Westward is still free, so you can still afford it. Eggs, Good. no, Thank gas, you. no, Thank you. but Westward. But we are losing one of our longtime staffers. Michael Roberts has been with Westward for more than 30 years. He's written about music. That's what he came to start to do. He then moved into media. As media, the media world changed, he shifted to covering everything under the sun. He's got a great story this week on a lawsuit in Grand Junction, where he's from. And after over three decades, he is leaving us to move on to his nice 
next chapter, you can still read all his great stories online. And I just want to thank him for all the great stories he has given this city over the last 30 years. We'll miss him. I'll miss reading Well, we articles. hope he'll keep writing some, yes. but he's definitely going well, to sleep two, later. 30 years? That's amazing. Go have fun. That's awesome. Well, you, you opened the show talking about Michaela Sch uh, Schifrin's 83rd and record-setting World Cup uh, race victory. She won her 84th. Uh, recently in, in Kronplatz, Italy, um, which puts her just too short. Not only does she have the women's record now, the total record is uh, uh, Freddie Stenmark, who has 86 World Cup wins, and she's closing in on that. She's got to do it. <laughs> um, Thirteen Colorado chefs and restaurants were nominated for, uh, this week were nominated for James Beard Awards, oh. which is basically like an Oscar nod in the food world. Um, and I think that shows how far the Centennial State has come from, you know, uh, green chili burritos and Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic, yeah. that many. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. I'm a, I'm a policy nerd, so I'm going to end on the legislature okay. with some good news. Okay. Uh, Senate Bill 1 passed almost unanimously out of committee. That's a public-private partnership housing bill, type of market incentive uh, where we work together to actually get stuff done for the people of Colorado. So brings me some hope that we may actually see some good stuff this that, year. That's the only thing we get stuff done is when we work together, right? Absolutely. Correct. Listen yeah. to one another. Thanks, everybody, for coming on the show tonight and for everyone watching as well. You can always catch Colorado Inside Out on PBS12.org and streaming on YouTube as well. And if there's an issue that you'd like our panelists to discuss, please reach out to us. We welcome your feedback on our social media pages and at CIO at PBS12.org. Thank you for watching. I am Kyle Dyer, and I look forward to seeing you next week here on PBS12.